you know, messed up world. I don't know where I got it. I don't know if it was from a Mr. Rogers episode or what. But I had a dream of a white picket fence. I had a dream of a little dog. I had a dream of a house. You know. And God put that in my head and said, you're home now. This is that home that you've dreamt of your whole life. But the truth is that as we read this, this evening, I want you to realize the language that Paul uses in his letters to the Ephesians. Because language matters. What Paul says matters. And the last time, you know, when is the last time you read the book of Ephesians? When's the last time somebody read it? Praise God. Because it's an it's a awe-inspiring letter. It really is. Because when you read this letter, it's not only to the church, but it's about the church. And I want you to consider some of the language that he uses, some of the phrases that he uses. I want you to think about it. The Father of our Lord, who has blessed us. We say that so casually, but you know, to think that God, the Father, that's the infinite God, that's the same one that we read about when we talk about Abraham and Moses and the burning bush. That Father, God, blesses us. It's the same one that when he went up to Mount Sinai, no one could look. He said, no, you can't bring them. I have to put a cloud of smoke over this so I can talk to you. Right? That's the same Father that blesses us. That's the, what it says in this book. It says in this book, He has chosen us before the foundation of the world. Think of that. He's chosen us before the foundation of His world. I'm going somewhere. But think about this. Suzette, he looked down and he chose Suzette. He said, I see this. I'm going to give her this opportunity and grace. He looked down. He saw little Wesley. He said, I'm going to make a miracle so that little Wesley exists. So that when every single person sees him, they see a miracle. Before the foundation of the world, he decided that. He looked at little Albert, and he said, you know what? Albert, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a moment. I'm going to have a moment where Albert is going to twist his ankle really bad, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt really bad, and I'm going to have a, a guy who, who doesn't even, he's never prayed for someone. And I'm going to have somebody, I'm going to have him come up, and I'm going to have him pray for Albert. And Albert's going to be like, hey, what happened to my ankle? And just run off. He was so young and stupid back then. He didn't even, know, he didn't even think anything of it. He didn't, a miracle. He wasn't thinking of that. He was like, oh, I can run again. I'm going to go run. I'm going to stop crying. That's what I'm talking about. Before the foundation of the earth. It says that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That means, and I, I want you to 
about this. The seal, a government seal, it's a big, it's a big deal. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. What it's basically saying is that God, He puts a seal on you, on your family, on your front door. And the devil walks up and it's like, oh, I can't go in there. Because the promise of the Lord is there. And he's the guarantee of your inheritance. Isn't that a nice truth? These are some of the words that are used. It's evident. Even in the, in the prayer that Paul has. You know, Paul doesn't know everything that's going to happen to all of us. So Paul prays for his people. But when he prays, he doesn't just pray. He appeals to the Lord himself. He says, I'm going directly to you. Give us wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That our eyes of understanding be illuminated. In order that we may know what is the riches of his glory in the saints. That means what we know, that we would know how, how it is in heaven. The glory of the saints. It's powerful, guys. He uses the word exceeding greatness of his power. You know, that means, okay, you thought of powerful, it exceeds that. It's greater than that. Oh, what, what did you think of when power came into your head? I think of an 18-wheeler, right? You know, we always play bigger than that. Maybe you think of a jet engine. No, it's greater than that. Maybe you think of Thor. It's greater than that. Maybe you think of this hammer. It's greater than that. Maybe you think of a, 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 it's bigger than that. <laughs> That's an inside joke. The real comfortable fans in this place. I want you to consider so great a salvation. Consider for a moment the terms that Paul is using to you and me this morning. You see me. I didn't know when I was going to preach this. <laughs> no doubt it's safe to say we don't really get it. And I established that. We established that long enough. I, I always look at Isaac. He gave me music. Like, yeah, he's gone so far enough. Because we all have Bibles in front of us, don't we? You know, you all heard the, the text. I put some oomph into it, right? And the truth is we don't get it. Even after all that, we don't get it. It's just a glimpse we got. And if we had a, even even a, a you know just a, a slight one percent more glimpse, like I said, you 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 would change your life. And I, that's what I want to do. I want you to change in light of who God is and what He's doing for you. You know, I've preached sermons about him being, you know, you're his workmanship. I've read this scripture before, some of these scriptures before. But I want, I want us to change. 
You know, you gotta ask yourself, what's the point, Paul? You know, sometimes I read a letter in the Bible, I read a verse in the Bible, or I read a chapter in the Bible, and I go, well, what's the point, God? Oftentimes, he, I can feel him smiling back at me, saying, I can't possibly explain to you the point, you numbskull. But I can tell you a few things. If you'd like to listen, if you'd like to go a little higher, because Paul is seeking to take you to higher heights. You know, this morning, or this evening, the truth is that many of us are never going to be able to scale the summits of others. Many of us are never going to be able to scale the summits of even uh, great mountains and landmarks that are throughout this nation or throughout the world. But if you've ever hiked as high as you could, the view and perspective is truly breathtaking. It really is. It takes your breath away. It's far different from looking afar. Or when you're looking upwards at a peak even. It's far different when you're on the top. It really is. Me and my wife, one of my favorite memories of my wife is one day that we just crazy. It wasn't a big peak or anything. But we just, I just decided, she said, can we climb that? How do you get up that mountain? And I said, I, I don't know, but I saw this way to go. It was right near our house, and we just started walking. And it started to get tough. And she's like, I can't make it. I said, yeah, you can. Let's do it. And we got to the top of that little peak, you know. And the feeling of exuberance, she was mad at me the whole way. You jerk. I can't believe you took it. But then we got to the top, you know. And it was... It's something that we, you know, it's a simple thing. You know, I'm not talking about Mount Rainier. Some of you, maybe you've done something like that. You climb the top of Mount Rainier or something something big like that. I mean, Brandon likes to point out how dinky the mountains are, where I come from, you know, compared to his great mountains. Ooh, great mountains. You know, whatever. You know what I mean? I'm not all into that. I'm not trying to put anybody down. But the magnitude, the majesty, the vistas, I want you to think about that. This, this. Far different than just imagining it or sitting in Seattle and looking up at Mount Rainier and imagining it. It's much different than to actually be there. And that's Paul's prayer. So I want you to think about that. Paul wants to put you on the top of Mount Rainier or whatever it is that height. Let's listen to the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 2 it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. 
and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're workmanship. You know, the initial but erroneous use of this would be something casual, you know, like a, a hobby or a craft project in school. But this is a frequent reference in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, his people. You know the word his people that we have in the Bible, right? I don't know if you know this, but the, that is mostly referred to as the work of my hands. That's how he refers to the people. The work of my hands. See, it's a very specific word. It's used 15 times in the Old Testament. In relation to the tabernacle. In relation to the temple. With all its furnishings. Including everything that was woven. Listen to this. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. In wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge. And in all manner of workmanship. Exodus 31, verse 2 and 3. To design artistic works to work in gold and silver and bronze. Then we go to verse 6. It says, And I, indeed I, capital I, have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahizamak, of the tribe of Dan. And I have put wisdom in the hearts of all who are gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you. He's using these terms to accentuate something. That there's a skillful wisdom behind your creation. There's a skillful wisdom and an artistic, uh, even a cunning thought. There's a planning, there's a purpose, there's a deliberate design. You're here to help people. You're here to do good works. You're here to get the rest of your family to church, not to have them take you out of church. That's a fact. You know, my kids are already, you know, they already want to do other things. And I know how bad it's going to get. But I just tell them flat out, we're having a meeting. We're going to meet people. You know, I don't get all religious with them. I don't go, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come, young man, and we are going to gather together, and God is going to triumph, and the light of the Lord will shine down upon us. No, I don't. <laughs> I say there's a meeting. We're going to meet there. The Robinsons are going to be there. Urgens are going to be there. The cruises are going to be there. The Longans are going to be there. Macor is going to be there. Oh, Macor? <laughs> yes. Are you 
See the workmanship. I, I read it this morning if you were at Bible study. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. This was in reference to Lucifer. You know, God made something great for Lucifer, but Lucifer turned on God. Thought he was as great as God. And God was sort of showing him, hey, you know where you get all your, your uh, you know, God has a way of, of pointing things at us. And he did it even to Lucifer here. He says, you know where you fell all high and mighty? That's why he, imagine Lucifer is in this place, you know, he's got this great music, right? And he's the one that's directing these armies. And he's got the, and God's like, I prepared all that for you. I did that. I did that. So God can do this all the time. But I want to just go over some things. First of all, the first thing is that this indicates something. Personal and particular involvement. And if you follow along, you'll, you'll see a... a, a a uh, theme here. Right? You'll see sort of a connection. If, you, if you're writing notes or if you're thinking out loud here, you might catch it. But we're going to talk about some things that God's going to do. First of all, He's going to indicate something personal. That it's a hands-on process. That, that God is your Father by the agency of the Holy Spirit. He's your Father. Trust me, with me and Wes, it's real personal. If anybody has seen me with Wes when he hits his sister... Um, it's real hands-on. Literally. But it's also, you know, it's real pointed. It's personal. And this is how God feels. Philippians 2, verse 14. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault in the midst of crooked and perverse generations, among whom you shine as a light in this world. It's personal, guys. God is saying, I have something very personal here. And he's doing that. And, and, and earlier in that verse, he says, don't do it just out of, you know, the obedience when I'm around. Do it when, when I'm not around, as if I'm there. This is one of the secrets of life, by the way. Just getting, asking God, like, hey, God, make sure I always know and remember you. When you pray, you can pray, God, make sure I remember you so I stop doing dumb things. You know, because God was there, you wouldn't do half the things you do. Would you? you wouldn't do any of the things you do, really. It's true. You know, some people, we walk around like we're so, we're just, we just lose track of the reality. You know, if God was sitting next to you, you'd act differently. You wouldn't act the way you act. It also implies a process. Workmanship implies a process, doesn't it? This is inevitable. There are no shortcuts. There are no accelerated classes. Workmanship is forming and shaping something. It's the crucible of life. This is the crux of life. You know, there's no shortcuts with Wes. You know, I keep on telling Wes, hold your pen right. He's like. No, hold it right. Hold it right. 
There's no shortcut. <laughs> I have to continue to work with him. Some of the most difficult things that we ever see in life and ever deal with are people who are full of religious knowledge and information but don't know the first thing about actually living for God. About serving Him. Because they've circumvented a process. Right? They're like, what? Well, I, I know how to draw. They don't know how to draw. You know, that's why your kids refuse that. You know, you're like, if they were like, oh yeah, I don't know how to do this. Actually, right? And so we have to help them. God wants to help you. And He will. God is able to shape us and work with us. We're able to shape and work with other people. This is a fact. But it takes a miracle. Because people have a tendency to want to circumvent the process. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Jeremiah, read chapter 18. It's an illustrated sermon of God using, it's an illustrated sermon of, of, the, of what happens to us and the work that God is doing in us. As a potter works with a piece of clay and then destroys it works with a piece of clay and then destroys it. He gets all the things out of it. He builds. Thirdly, this evening, it implies the implicit purpose. There is an implicit purpose that God has for us. It's important that we understand this. We need to realize this. That means that it's implied. It's not plainly expressed. God's never going to go, Suzanne, Suzanne, this is what I want you to do. He's not going to do that. He's going to, through his word, imply what you should do so that you'll choose him willfully. Of course God can walk us around. I can do that with my kids. No, you're going here. But then all I have is a kid that's got his arm like this. And that's not what God has created. Do you think that gives glory to the Lord? Look at the Lord's people. It's great. Oh, we love you, Lord. There's worth to you. There's a destiny that is in your hands. 
human heart and spirit longs for is realized as we give ourselves to his designs. Yield ourselves to his hand. Avail ourselves to his purpose. You know, that's something that we have to learn, guys. I've had to learn it as a pastor. Hebrews 13, verse 21 says, Make you complete in every good work to do his will. Working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Though, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Isaiah 43, 21. This people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praises. They shall declare my praises. Psalms 138, verse 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. This is the prayer I pray after my wife, uh, you know, yells at me. You think I'm kidding? You know, I don't, I don't see how, you know, I don't see the way women see. You know, if you're at the marriage seminar, if you missed it, you blew it. Because that was a great marriage seminar. I have the, I have the, uh, the uh, I think I sent them out to some of you. If anybody wants it, you know, I'm kidding. I, I do have all of I have those seminars. You haven't blown it for all all time. But you blew it that day. No, think about it. In that seminar, it said these words, you know, men see things differently than women do. That's why women can't park cars. Yeah, that's what he said. It's true. I'm telling you, man. It's not a coincidence. Right? You might believe it, you might, but there's actually scientific proof that women see things differently than men, men do. Now listen, there's another thing that should make women feel better. Men are never able to express things the way that God can express things. And they're not even able to express things the way that a woman can express things. Expression is something that was given as a gift to women. The ability to express. There's a scientific uh, makeup of our brain that makes us different. We express things differently. That's why men like to just like snort. That's why men, that's their tendency. Trust me, I know. I, I disciple men. When I disciple women, they, they start to talk to me, expressing a bunch of things. Right? When I talk to men, they just, yeah, I got it, Pastor. Are you mad? No, I'm not mad, Pastor. I've never had a woman do that, ever. In all the days that I've talked to a woman, I've never had them. <laughs> never had them do that. You know? I don't think I've gotten through like a five-minute conversation with any of my men without that happening at least once or twice. Especially if I'm talking about something serious. So I go back to the point that you're God's workmanship. Psalm 138. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O oh Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. That is a prayer. I, I remember um, uh, when someone prayed that, and I was like, Man, well, that guy's kind of depressed. He's one of my pastor friends, you know, when I wasn't a pastor. You know, when I was being discipled, and he said, Lord, don't forsake us. And I was like, Man, But then I read this and I realized, no, he's not depressed. He's, he's real. He's being real with God. 
being real with it. You know, because you can feel forsaken when you're not on God's path, and you need to get right back on God's path. God wants to help you. I close tonight by telling you that you are a crowning masterpiece. You're a masterpiece of God's artistry. This is a work that goes through the ages. Satan has vehemently sought to destroy and mar this. The likeness and the image of God in mankind. Not simply humanity, but in particular, you and I. The saints of God, his church, should be noted that all the pronouns in Ephesians chapter 2 are plural. I know you guys don't know what pronouns are, some of you. We are God's workmanship. We is the pronoun. The church is God's masterpiece. It's a mosaic of all his people in a design collective work. There's craftsmanship. Your finished work will be skillful. It will be artistic. And while each piece and item have a certain beauty and a certain value of its own as it is crafted, it's not until they are properly and perfectly fitted together and worked together for them to be fully realized. This is the design and the beauty and the function of God. They asked Michelangelo one time, what are you doing, Michael? They were asking him what he was creating. But they said it in a way that they said, what are you doing? He looked at them and he said, I am trying, I am trying to let the angel escape from this piece of stone. And that's a profound way of looking at what God is trying to do. You know, we're stuck. We're stuck in our sins. And God, by chiseling us, by, by working us, by, by crafting us in a certain way, is creating a mosaic that is going to perfectly fit together. And one of the reasons, one of the big questions people have, and you probably have had this, I've had this question, is why, God? Why do things happen the way they are? Why? And it's because this is a very big mosaic. Because we serve a very big God. Our good works matter. Your good works are important. Matthew 5, verse 16. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This is not primarily the act of evangelism. This is not primarily by being nice or by mere social programs. This is by letting God craft you into something that will shine. So that people will go, wow, look at the glory of God. That happened to me. 
But it doesn't happen quite the way we think sometimes. At Acts 9.36 at Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. You know, I was in Mexico, in Mexicali, and I saw that. It was crazy. You know, I just saw these women, and they didn't look anything particularly. They didn't even look that nice. I mean, they didn't. I mean, I wasn't like, whoa, there's a, you know, look at that. Oh, look at that lovely woman. I wasn't, that wasn't, you know, they look like tough ladies, man. But when I sat at the table, and I started to get food prepared for me, and I saw the work that was put in just for a guy like me to come and preach. You know? And then they all showed up at church. I could barely get there. I mean, the schedule was grueling. It was grueling even though we were doing nothing except enjoying ourselves. And it's hard to enjoy yourself that much. I'm sorry, but, you know, my 45-minute cat naps and my preparing, you know, God's messages in between uh, as I was working through, you know, it was not, it wasn't simple. And these people were doing much more than me. You know, they were preparing food and doing the things that they do. But it was nothing to them. Why? Because God has crafted them. He's worked them into this. He's built them up. You know, sometimes you guys are complaining, but you know, God has to work the muscles. You know, he's got to work those muscles. He's got to build you into this, this thing that can do what he needs to be done. There was a lot that needed to be done for me to go over there to Mexico. There really was. You know, there was a lot of coordination, a lot of things. You know, I mean, the first night I got there it was so cool. You know, I'm like, I'll go with you, Pastor, until you go to bed. I'm, I'm not going to go to bed until you go to bed. I'm, we'll work. You're working. I'll work. Right? And we have the service and everything, and he's doing different things, and he's he's getting me things, and then and then we we finish up, and he and he says he just pulls up to this guy's house, and it's dark, and you know it's late. He honks the horn, you know, like just one little nice honk. Then he knocks at the door. He goes, we just got to make one stop. You know? And we come out. And he comes over. And the guy's got one of those uh, air, uh, you know, what are those called? I don't know what they're called. Uh, you know, like a, a compressor. Yeah. And, you know, he's got, he's, 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 but he's knocking on that door. The guy comes out, you know, he's got like a t-shirt on, shorts, you know. And, uh. Pastor just takes that compressor, picks it up, throws it in the back of his truck, you know. We come back and we use that compressor to make an air mattress so people can sleep. All these little things, you know, that need to be coordinated. You know, it takes it takes this kind of work, this kind of effort. You know, one of the things I appreciated was like, you know, the guy answered the door, the guy was there, you know. I had to, oh yeah, you want the compressor, there it is. He wasn't acting like it was his compressor, you know. He was like, hey, pastor needs a compressor, I'll get the compressor. That's impressive. That's discipleship. That's real, that's real, guys. That's the real deal. I've been seeing some of that in our church. We have to abound more and more. 
Second Corinthians 9, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. This is liberal sowing. It means that we're insured. We'll be able to go further and do greater things, do greater good works. You know, that's one of the things that's amazing about this church. To be honest with you, we've never been uh, probably more capable. Even though we go through our struggles, we're more capable now than, than we have been in, in, in years past. I want to share some things with you. The term, when he says here, virtuous toil, it's the Greek word. Um, the word workmanship that I'm talking about here is uh, poema. And it means a piece of workmanship, a creation. It's the word we get the English word poem from. And I want you to think about that because you are a poem here tonight. Bible says, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That is one of the most poetic things that has ever been written in the word of God. Think about that for a second. Think about those simple words. We shall appear, and we shall be like him. Him, capital H. Like Jesus. We're going to be like Jesus. And because what's going to happen is we're going to see him for who he is. We're going to see him how he really is. You're a piece of poetry to God. He is the poet. He's the creator. Christ Jesus, our Lord. I just want you to realize that tonight as we close here that the church is created for good works and it will be perfected. It will portray its maker. You will portray its maker as long as you put your faith in Jesus Christ and not in the ways of this world. And then get your head bowed and every eye closed in this place. You know, our minds, guys, are under a great assault a myriad of thoughts and feelings that we have. Lack of self-worth. Lack of significance. Lack of meaning. Lack of value. We get to a place where we don't want to deal